watch. This week coming up, we have for you bookshop stalkers, demon piss play, food porn, and race revolutions. Woo! Woo! We always do woo! Whenever we finish doing that intro. It's an awkward thing to just end on, though. I know. And I want to like let it settle. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're here again. Welcome. We are. Episode um, nine. Episode nine. Super exciting. I know. We're in spring. Yes. It was Sam's birthday yesterday. Woo. It's my birthday in... Two weeks. Two, about two weeks. Less than two Woo. weeks. Yay. So, um... Culture-wise. Culture-wise. Yeah. What have you been doing? I've actually done a lot recently. Um, mm, I want to rattle through a couple of things, but then talk about two things a bit more in detail. Okay, go. So I went to the opera recently. I went to see the new opera from Ian Bell mm. called Jack the Ripper. Was it good? The Women's of Whitechapel. It was okay. Okay, move And went to see um, the Queen of the Mist in the Brockley Theatre in London, because my sister was playing the band. Fun. Um, but the two things that I want to talk about in more detail are two books. Yay, we love books. We love books. The first one is some non-fiction. Ooh. It's called The Darkening Age by Catherine Nixie. It is basically the history of the destruction of the classical world by early Christianity. And that wow. sounds really deep, yeah. but it's actually really interesting in sort of okay. why we find a lot of Roman and Greek artefacts where they are. We think it's kind of modern misuse and miscare of mm-hmm. tools. But then, actually, a lot of the time it was to kind of get demons out of the statues because they felt like that oh, these yeah. statues were literally possessed and how kind of a lot of the ideas of early Christianity come from just a very sort of anti, in a way, fun okay. sense from like <laughs> ancient Rome is that like, no, you must be frugal, you must only wear Hessian. And then you hear about like these things, like one of the lines that really stood out was um, about early monks mm-hmm. and how essentially they would just torture themselves like living in caves and like by wearing in like the deserts in jordan wearing a full leather suit with only like a mouth hole and two tiny eye holes yeah disgusting i know and it's but it's really fascinating it is really gripping Mm. and the second book i want to talk about is fiction Mm-hmm. It's called Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Read it, so good. It's so good. Also, if you like that, there is sorry, if you if listeners like it as well, there's a book called Queenie and they've just done it on BBC Sounds as like a serial Ooh. read out of an audiobook. And it's super similar. It's by Candace Carty Williams, but it's about a black woman who lives in London. But both books are kind of about women who have some sort of trauma in their mm. past, not to give anything away. And are dealing with it through an addiction. So I don't know what through like alcohol. Alcohol, yeah. And um, Queenie deals with it through like basically a sex addiction. Yeah. And they both kind of battle through it. And they're both like uplifting, but also so, super dark. Yeah. I I really I mean I read this book in about three both of them in about three days. Really. I ripped through both of them. Wow, that's so not. I love it when you find a book that you just love. Love. So yeah, nice. I mean, I'm currently reading Wolf Hall at the moment. I never, I, you know, I've never read it. Yeah. I've seen the play and seen the TV show. Because I really love, I really love the TV series, and I tried the book once, and I could not get into it. But okay. actually, now I'm getting into it. Much okay, more, which That's is nice. good. I think, I think Wolf Hall is one of those that it's just very daunting because it's huge. Yeah, definitely. Um, what have I been doing? This yeah, what have you been doing? Um, listeners, guess what? I love theatre, as we know, and I reviewed for What's on Stage this Ooh. week. How exciting is that? You can find it. Um, we'll tweet it, don't worry. Please do. Uh, it's I reviewed Avalanche at the Barbican Theatre. Oh, Starring Maxine Peake, which is all about a woman struggling with infertility. Um, 
And it was really good. I gave it four stars. You can read the full, full review online. But it was pretty exciting. And I got to pick up like press tickets and everything. So Very yay. exciting. And apart from that, oh, we're not watching Line of Duty. Oh my God, I can't say anything because Sam hasn't seen all of it. No, no. So good. Tell me nothing. Tell and me nothing. hour and a half finale I am so excited for. Shooketh. We haven't seen it, so yeah. yeah. Oh, a flea bag. Oh my God, flea oh, bag ended. Yeah. And I have tickets to see it in the West End this oh. summer. Love flea bag. Flea bag. So good. Anyway, I think we should get on with the episode before yeah. we wax lyrically about things. Yeah, okay, cool. So, um, we're starting with my TV this week. Yes. This is a show which um, I got into in, like, and then everyone seemed to be into it. Mm. And me and my flatmate used to talk about it constantly, and so did me and everyone at work. Um, and it is called You. It's such a relevant show in that it came out in 2018. Wow, but most people watch it in 2019. Wow. It was created by Greg Belanti and Sarah Gamble. What great names. And it stars Penn Bagley, who is so good looking, as a stalker. Yeah, who goes to extreme lengths to win his crush. He's played by Elizabeth Lell. And it, I'm, okay, I'm not gonna say anything more because I think, having seen your scores, you have thoughts. Yeah, um, I hated this. How could you hate I it? I really hated this. I think because my big thing is that the dialogue is awful. It is painful. But it's not a dialogue show. I don't care if like it's so yeah, it's not a dialogue show. But also the whole point is that he's like talks the whole way. He does not shut up the whole way through this episode. No, because he's voicing over in this like stupid monotone. Yeah, and that's really annoying. No, it's great. No, it's so annoying. And again, the the monologuing is, you know, everyone has that poetry douchebag in their year in sixth form. But that's why this is so good. Because it's... Okay, so I like this show on two counts. A, because it's just fun to watch. Because it's kind of bad, but you're like, I love it. And B, usually when you see stalkers on TV, they're like some... Gr- like, or serial killers of women. Mm. They're like, always like some grotty little thing. And this guy thinks he's the nice guy. That's why it's so good, because he's convinced that he's this nice guy who's like, just having her find a book. And he's just like, he knows what's best for her. And blah, 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 blah. And he appreciates poetry and books. I think it's really important that like, guys, I've had so many boys be like, but I'm a nice guy. And you're like, the fact that you need to say that suggests that you're not. Yeah. And I love that there was a show where it was like, just because you say you're a nice guy and you're like cultural and read books and like middle class does not mean that mm. you're actually nice. Yeah. And he's literally a psychopath. That is all true. Oh, the that. issue is though, is that I think the show glorifies him. Mm-mm. No, I, I think from this first episode, because bear in mind, this is all I've watched. I'm not going to be watching the rest of this because I really hated this. <laughs> I... I mean, I have a page of notes in front of me that we might put on Instagram that is mostly capital letters. Yeah, it's, wow. It has made me so angry. But I don't think it does glorify him because, like, the f- especially not the first episode because the ending of the first episode is well, shocking. No, the ending of the first episode, it's, it's like, okay, so you've spent 40 minutes glorifying him and now you expect to be like... But that's oh, why it's so clever. It's not clever. That, no, if you've okay. seen any Stephen King, this isn't clever. Yeah, but, like, as in, it's clever in terms of, like, 
it's addressing that issue because it does make him it does mm. i agree it glorifies him at the beginning the point is that you start being like maybe he is a nice guy maybe he just wants the best maybe this is what you're supposed to do because he does all of the rom-com cliches which is like saving her from which are creepy to begin with save, but never mind yeah of course but that's the whole point is that exposing <sighs> why they're creepy so he does them all and you start thinking Maybe he, as in, you start being indoctrinated in the same way that you are with a rom-com and then they, he does something so horrible. The, the point is that you're supposed to wake up and be like, oh my god, I can't believe I just glorified him. The point is it's supposed to yeah, do but that. I never glorified him as the Watcher. I never bought into that facet of the show. I was just like, oh, he's a douchebag. But you said it glorifies him. Yeah, I think that's what the show is trying. I didn't say I felt like I glorified him watching it until the end of the episode. I felt like the show is glorifying him. I thought, he is a twat, why are they making a show about him? This was, this was my thing, is that I don't know who this show is for. Like, for, I, I mean, I definitely don't think it's for, as, as in, I don't think it's targeted at you. No, I don't think it is at all, but I also don't know who the audience for this is. I think girls, I think teenage girls. Why? Teenage and why do teenage girls, girls want to watch something? Why? I don't understand why they want to watch something about Because it's, it's about, like, like what I'm saying, it's about exposing both the guys in your life who think that they're this nice guy and are just creepy, hmm. and also about exposing your own inherent, like, the fact that I would think that some of that stuff is romantic. I found it interesting because, at, like, as in, I had to keep reminding myself, even though I knew that he was a dick from the beginning, because mm. it makes it quite clear, like we're not spoiling it. Oh, no, no, no. It, it shows that he's a psychopath. Mm. But he works in a bookshop and he cares about old books and stuff yeah. like that. On a, a small part of me, literally had to keep being like, like you need to, you yeah. need to understand that this isn't, that doesn't make him a good person. So yeah. I think that's why it's so There's... clever at targeting at women anyway. You're saying- but I also know so many boys who like it. I see, I, for me, there's there's that aspect that I felt like it glorified him and I just it was just gross and it really kind of rubbed it the wrong way and then there's the technical side of the show uh-huh. with like the dialogue and the di- the direction is terrible. What do you mean? Like it's just oh there's a shot through a window that's badly lit that you can barely see her even though it's the middle of the day. Why is she basically naked in oh, front yeah, of yeah. her there's front so facing many, window? I, mean, I should admit there's so many flaws at this show. I'm only defending it because you hated it so much. Like, I, I don't think, I think it's amazing. I think I didn't like the fact it glorified him. And if it, if it was done that, but done, say, at the level of something like Gilmore Girls in terms of, like... This is the thing, is I did not like <laughs> Gilmore Girls because I thought it was dull. <laughs> but this just made me angry. Because I was thinking, okay, it's glorifying this creep. Yeah. And at the same time, he's technically... Because creeps are glorified. No, 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 no. no. It's glorifying creep. We've discussed yeah, that yeah, aspect yeah, yeah, of yeah. it. But also, it's just badly made. Like, yeah, the, I admit it's badly made. The dialogue, like I couldn't, every time I just sat there, I was like, oh no. Like, <laughs> there, is, there is a quote in the first minute or so that is too sun-kissed for Stephen King as he's describing her. And I'm like, what? what? I get that he's meant to be this poetry douchebag. Yeah. But also, that is a line that never should have been written. And it... I like it because he's he's a twat, so like obviously what he says is annoying. Yeah, and it, I think it, that's it just... good. I mean, like I have, I should admit, like I love the show, and I made like a boyfriend watch it, and I made my flatmate watch it, and I made her boyfriend watch it, and we all discussed it together. But equally, 
it, I do admit that it's not amazing. Like, yeah. as in, yeah. there are many flaws. I've read many articles about how mm. shit it is. And, and also, I just... But I still recommend it. I think that Elizabeth Lale isn't very good. Like she's, I think she's given such a bad part though. Yeah, I think I think partly is that she's given so annoying. nothing to do. Yeah. Like her part is basically I'm struggling. But the other thing And that's so the, about it. The other she thing has I like no character her. development in the first episode. Yeah, in the first episode, but she gets more over over the series. Mm. But the thing I the other thing I liked about this show that I made people talk about because like I do as in I admit that it's not a great show, but I mm. it's like Love Island, like I mean, Love Island is also fantastic. I have also never seen Love Island either, oh, and well, do not intend to, to ever watch Love Island. Watch. Um, that'll be a Love Island special coming to oh, you soon. Fuck my life. It starts in five weeks. Get excited. I will. Love Island is like, in so many ways, very poor. But at the same time, it starts conversations that I hadn't had with certain yeah. people before. And I think this show does it, and it does it about Beck as well. Because Beck is by no means perfect. She's annoying, mm. like, she's lazy, she's mean to her friends, she oh, lies yeah. a lot. Like, there's so many flaws. And once again, it's really nice to see a woman who is a victim, mm. and yet not just a victim. Yeah. Like, it's, she's not like this perfect girl who is like mm. amazing and adorable, or she's not like the slut who deserves to die. It's like, no, she's mm. a dick, and you kind of, you're like, you're you're so annoying, and like, mm. why are you doing this? At the same time, she doesn't deserve yeah. to have this done but to her. Again, remember, you're coming at this. You're coming at this from having watched the whole series. I have watched episode one, and I just got, oh, you're really annoying. And also, yeah, but that, but even that, she still doesn't deserve to have him. No, 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 no. I just think it's her like alone as a character. But her boyfriend, for example, as well, a okay. douche, such a douche. Yeah, hate him. I mean, every, equally, doesn't deserve to it's, have. It's again, it's one of these shows where all of the characters are deeply flawed and they are generically awful people. Yeah, but but, but it's but not. I don't just, think it's done well. I don't think. I think. But I think it is done with intention. Like it might yeah, not be yeah, done no, well, no. but it's done with intention. It's done with intention. Interesting reason. And then. The final, for me, nailed in the coffin is this, is I don't think Penn Badgley is a good actor. I think he's awful. Yeah. He's so, like, I get he's trying to be this sort of, kind of, slightly thinks he's suave, knows about poetry, but he's just wooden. He's just, I don't think he's a very good actor. I'm so conflicted because I kind of agree with you, but I love him so much, I don't know if I can. I just, I... Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want him to... Pen, if you're out there, I don't mean anything I'm about to say, but also I kind of agree with you, and I think that was true in EZA as well. Yeah, and I forgot he was in EZA. He's so great in EZA, but also he doesn't do anything in No, that's, that's, that's the thing, is, is that he's... I just, I don't think I think he's, he's very good looking, and he kind of gets all that. I think, I think, I think like, there's, there's the issues with kind of framing and everything, and then for me, it's... And, but the issues with the framing alone, if it was... And if it had a better central cast, yeah. it, I would have given it a higher score. But then it's the whole technical aspect that just for me really drag it down. Yeah. That I don't think the acting's very good. The writing is diabolically <laughs> bad. The direction is uninteresting and just downright terrible. And I've Do you just... know the interesting thing is I actually agree with you on every point, but that I still like this show. Yeah. Like I still watch the whole thing. I think I think that's that's the fun thing of this is that we do have like very different tastes in TV, but there are yeah. things that we do come together on. Like, yeah, but and I also I also think that I maintain but this it. is a show that I just yeah it, I just yeah. I see all its flaws and yet there was something about it that I was mm. like I have to finish this like, series I, I have to know what happens I maintain every person needs their trash like for me at the moment my trash is very much special on Netflix 
Yeah, but I feel, I mean, that's not supposed to be trash though, right? That's supposed to be like a cute comedy rather it's, than it's trash. It's pretty trashy to be honest. But I feel like your trash can is like one of those tiny ones you get in the bathroom and mine's like a wheelie bin. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not I gonna deny so that. I have so much more in my bin. Yeah, yeah. It's great and I love it. You enjoy your wheelie bin. Right, okay, moving on. I think we're gonna move, I think we're gonna move on because I think I've, I've said my piece about you. We're just gonna disagree on this one. We are okay, just gonna disagree good. on this one. Okay. But we're gonna go on to my TV. Yeah. Which, I originally watched the show because I really like its creator and what he did previously. Um, and this show is Crazy Head. Uh, Crazy Head is from 2016 and it's created by Howard Overman. Um, Howard Overman is most famous in the UK for having done Misfits, which... Oh! Yeah. I forgot about that. Okay. Which, which I really love Misfits. Yeah, Even in the later series when the main cast at the beginning had all left. Yeah. I still think it was it was good. It's it, a great show. And it follows two women who can see demons and their attempts to thwart them through various ridiculous means a lot of the time. Um, the show only ran for six episodes and then was cancelled, um, but it's since been picked up by Netflix and Netflix are, they're not sure if they're going to make a second series. Oh, I thought they already had. No, I don't think they have yet. Um, and I kind of hope they do because I, I think like we were saying with you, this is my trash. I admit that this is not great, but I thoroughly enjoy this. Uh, um, I, I, do you know what's really weird is that I started watching this and halfway through was like, I've watched this before. I'm pretty sure I watched this when it came out. Really? The first episode, not the whole thing. Like, just the first episode, because I think I was like, mm. I don't know why. Anyway, um, uh, I watched this, it was very easy to watch. Yeah. I find it quite annoying, mm. mostly. Uh, I gave it a higher score originally, and I took it down because I was like... In hindsight, yeah. In hindsight, like, it it was... Yeah, it was fine. I felt like it made a lot of easy jokes. Mm. Yeah. Um, that weren't particularly clever. I didn't think the premise was clever, and I found the repetition of certain scenes, like, over and over again. Like, how many times do I have to see a man turn into a demon? Mm. It's exciting. It's not that exciting. Both main characters are quite annoying and, like, silly. And yeah. I felt like they were so maybe this is just a certain angle i felt like they were so trying to make it like oh women are funny too mm. that they slightly overdid it on the like i'm gonna be disgusting yeah and it still did, be a girl it, it definitely goes into like kind of i a lot of people really dislike amy schumer i'm not one of them i really like amy schumer weird but i think her. sometimes amy schumer can go very much into the yeah. i am going to vomit for the sake of vomiting yeah and it, I don't think that's particularly funny. I, but I also think she's got some really great sketches. Yeah. I think I think that the one with Patricia Arquette, Julie Louis Dreyfus, and Tina Fey yeah, yeah. is so funny. Yeah. But I think. But I don't think this is as clever as it. Oh no 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 no! I I admit that this is not as good as Misfits. No. No. Oh my god! Nowhere near. But also, I think the things that you've talked about in Miss that with this, like the repetition of certain things, like with someone turning into a demon, with Misfits, there was a lot of oh, and let's introduce this person's powers in a bit of a kind yeah, of yeah. But at least it was way. like different people's powers. Yeah, this exactly. This was like the same thing happening, mm. and like yeah, I thought it was a strong opening. The opening's very funny. The opening is very funny. It's so good. But yeah, both characters are so uninteresting. They they do get I think a lot better as it Maybe. continues. I think. For me, what I like about Howard Overman shows is that he does the kind of fantastical and the supernatural, the kind of the weird in a really mundane setting. Yeah. And I think that's it worked much better with Misfits than it yeah. does with this. Because uh -huh. obviously Misfits takes place on some council estate somewhere in the UK 
but the accents don't give that away at all because everyone has a very divergent regional accent. Yeah. Um, and then this is kind of a similar vibe, but more, more clearly takes place in London, in like yeah. sort of one of the kind of zone three suburbs of London. Yeah, and they like work at bowling alley. Yeah, and, and I think I think that's that's why I liked the show or enjoyed the show. I think because it is the premise kept me interested long enough that I watched episode two, and after episode two, I thought six episodes, I'll finish it. Fair. I didn't. I even started episode two because I just started playing on my Netflix yeah. and I was at work and I was like, mm, maybe. Um, I get why it's very easy to watch. Yeah. I just was never that interested. And yeah, I find the premise not interesting enough. No. I just feel like I've seen shows where it's like, oh, I can see things that other people can't. Therefore, yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll hunt them down or whatever. I didn't like any of them. Oh, I did like. What's his name? Tyler Arunze King. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Yeah, he's um, uh, Raquel, had... played by Susan McComa, her brother. Yeah, he has had like an amazing year in the theatre recently, so I was like, yay! Yeah, and but, he's super hot. But Su- Susan Susan McComa, I think she's kind of in a lot of British comedy at the moment. Yeah. She's in Chewing Gum. Um, she's like, as in both of the main characters are played well. Yeah, I think I think it's. I think it's I just well think the done, but really the premise basic. It's like, mm. wow, you can see demons, and everyone thinks you're crazy. Yeah. Okay. Like, why should I care? Yeah. It's really interesting contrasting this with currently on the BBC, contrasting it with ghosts. I haven't seen that yet, and I'm desperate to see it because I love horrible histories. Yeah. Um, for people who aren't from the UK, Ghosts is a series made by the troupe that did horrible histories, the sketch show. They basically the premise is a couple move into this old house that's haunted, and then suddenly one and the couple can start seeing ghosts. Um, and I think Ghosts is much better than this. Okay. I, I think Ghosts is, it's much more lighthearted and it kind of, the characters are much more, I think because they're ghosts, you can make them much more caricature So you have the old yeah. Victorian woman, yeah. you have the caveman, you have the World War II general. The, the problem with this is that they're trying to make it dark. Yeah, and I don't think demons, it And I don't think the cat, well, almost, I think the cat, the two main characters aren't straight enough to make the rest of it mm. feel dark because they're, they're in Misfits you have these like ridiculous characters but I know people like all of the Misfits yeah. like but not also, the same but yeah. like similar whereas these two main characters are not normal like they're no. really weird they're not like just not, not normal in that neither like, of them are the straight man that's yeah. the problem and I think if you had Amy as the straight as a straight yeah. character and then um, Raquel as the comedic character you have kind of a dynamic like you have with um Nathan and Curtis in Misfits. With Curtis is much more of a straight character. Yeah. Nathan's the comedic one. Yeah. Because. But I think they didn't want to do that because I think this is what I mean. As in, they were both women and they wanted to be like, women can be funny. So both of them are going to be funny, and it was like, you like Mm. weirdly that dynamic, even though it's like more original, doesn't work. That's why people don't do it. And I also felt, oh, this is a side point, but um, what I really liked is Raquel reminded me of. The crazy, crazy eyes from Artists in New yes. Black massively, and not just because they're both black, but like they've acted it in very similar ways. Yeah, it's 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 definitely reminiscent of that character. Yeah, but I think I think I agree with you on everything you said. I think I just enjoyed it a bit more than you did. Yeah, I couldn't give this like a super low score because I didn't think it was because well, because I think ever. it's well done. I think, well, I think I think it's it's well acted. It's well I think it's well shot. I think it just the thing is is I think coming off the back of Misfits, I think felt like. There's, oh, we need to make it like Misfits. I'm like, I feel like it should have been more colourful than it can be. 
Yeah, well, it was quite colourful and campy, and I thought that's why it didn't work, almost. But I, th I think, no, it was I think like, oh, it, we're in a bowling then, alley, it, how funny is this? But then it was the juxtaposition of that against the darker scenes that I don't think worked as well. That's what I mean, as in, yeah, they should have made it all dark, yeah. or made it all funny, but it was like this weird mashup Nebulous, of like, yeah. haha, we're funny because we pee on people, and yeah. Mm. Although that is a great scene. It's funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I just found a bit meh. Yeah, that's fine. Oh well. Um, right, we'll move on to my film, a little bit more upbeat, um, which is called The 100 Foot Journey. Right, so The 100 Foot Journey is a film from 2014. So many recent things this year. I know. Wow, We're fully in the 2010s. Um, it was directed by Lars Hallström. Can't say that name. Lasse Hallström. Thank you. Um, and it stars the legend that is Helen Mirren and Om Puri. And it's about a battle of two restaurants in a village, French village. One is uh, like a curry house started up by an Indian family and the other is a lofty Michelin starred restaurant. Mm. And um, yeah, it's on Netflix. What did you think? Um, I think it's really interesting that this film was directed by Lasse Hallström because the film that I've seen of his quite a lot is Chocolat. Chocolat, yeah. Which, this to me really felt a bit like a low rent version of Chocolat. <laughs> I don't think either of the two romantic leads are as compelling as Juliette Binoche or Johnny Depp. I literally just forgot that there was a romantic yeah, story in it. that's the thing, is, is, is that had I not made a note of it, I wouldn't have remembered. Um, I think Helen Mirren is having a great time. I should um, say, I did not pick this film because I think it's good. Yeah. As in... I just picked it because I watched score it on a rainy day. I think day. is generous. I can't remember why I gave this, but I might change it. But um, um, I think I thought it, I just watched it on a rainy day and thought, what a lovely little like yeah. film that I never need to remember again. Yeah, I think my problem is is that the film is very clearly delineated into two halves. So you have two halves. I would say it's like in five different bits. It's so random. Well, this, this, this is what I'm going to say. Is you have okay. the first half where you get the family moving to the south of France and they set up the restaurant opposite Helen Mirren's. Which should be the entire film. Which, yes, should be the entire film. Um, and you have the kind of tete-a-tete -tete between Ompere and Helen Mirren uh, with their competing restaurants and until Helen Mirren reconciles after some of her chefs are very racist. Yay. Very racist. And then the film goes on for another hour. Randomly. No one can tell us why. In which Hassan, uh, who is Ompere's uh, character's son, who is played by uh, Manish Dayal, he then goes to work at Helen Mirren's restaurant. Then And has a mysterious talent. This is my favourite bit of the film. Hassan cannot use his hands. So, in a scene which mystifies me every time I think about it, Helen Mirren comes over and she's like, the way I tell a, a brilliant chef is by them showing me an omelette. Make an omelette. And he is like, fine, do what I say. And it's the most sexual scene I've ever seen. Literally. That there's no, there's no, like, there's not supposed to be any relationship between them of that level. But it's like, they Are they going to fuck? Like, literally, they sensitively <laughs> make this omelette, which is like the least sexy thing to make, surely, because it's literally just cracking eggs and then whisking them. But the best bit is when they they show why he's such a good cook, which is just Helen Mirren putting some spice in and then him going, no, more. It's so and then she puts more in and it's like, oh. He's a Michelin-starred chef. 
by the end. And that is a spoiler, but you need to know it. Yeah. Simply because he, adds he puts more, more spice in. That's all you need. Yeah, just more. And then That cracked me up so much. So stupid. And then <laughs> the second half of the film, he goes to work at Helen Mirren's restaurant. Classic. And then gets talent scattered and moves to Paris. And shocker, is miserable. No, and really. this half of the film drags. This half of the film doesn't need to be there. No. I would say. Stop watching. This after, is the bit after. that we don't need to see, which is after yeah. the film's ended, which is what real life continues, and then you're like, oh, it's shit. Yeah. You just need it to end on a happy note. Yeah. To... Basically, once you've got past the fuck omelette, the stop fuck watching. The fuck omelette is amazing. Stop though. watching this film. Um, I can't. I still can't get over how no, sexual chemistry it's... there was, and there's not supposed to be any. But also, like, I mean, that's the Hellstrom. It made chocolate. There's so much food porn in chocolate. Oh yeah, this is great for food porn. It made me but want to curry. I wanted TV. more. Yeah. I was like, more food porn, less the second half of this film. But it literally is so many different parts put together it's a randomly. Mess of like, film. It's such a mess. It's just, it, to use a food analogy, it's like they've just chucked in yeah. some potatoes, chucked in some peppers, then they're like, oh, a bit of ketchup wouldn't go amiss here. Let me put some mini eggs in. It's literally like the randomest it's ingredients shoved into I, this big stew and then served up to you. But I think this film is not, I mean, the second half is not great. But the issue with, the reason the second half isn't very good is because Helen Mirren and Ampere are barely in it. Yeah, they're the And best. they are by far the best characters. But to be fair, I think um, Manish Dale plays Hassan very well. Yes, but Hassan is a dull character. Yes, he is. It's, it's he is a genius because Spice. <laughs> Still cooking. Every time you see him cooking, he just puts Spice in and they're like, you genius. I'll just... make apple crumble. With spice. <laughs> no, really? It's, oh, it. This film, I feel like. But it did remind me, though, to be fair, of MasterChef, in which sometimes they have cooks who come from the, like, from an Asian background or from, like, any, anywhere in Asia, and they'll be like, because I grew up in Thailand, I'll be using a lot of chilies in this, and they're like, oh, fish and chips with chilies. That's radical. Yeah. So right. it does happen. Yeah, it does. <sighs> I don't know, I just, I'm, I was sort of a bit like, I was vaguely on board for the sec for the first half. I was like, okay, this is some light fluff, but I'm enjoying it because there's some, there's some really great banter between Helen Mirren and Paris. Amazing. There's some great food porn. Helen Mirren, if Helen, Helen Mirren and Paris were cast as anyone else, this film would not work. Oh my god, yeah. It has to be them. Has to be them, but then it just... No, I do get you about yeah. that, but I just think it is still like quite an enjoyable film. Like... Especially if, like me, you have parents, specifically a dad who goes to sleep, like when you watch a film together, yeah. would recommend this film because you can watch the first half all happy, you can basically nod off for the next bit, and then yeah. when you have the end and everything's happy, yeah. and you feel like, oh, what a lovely film. Exactly. But I, I mean, I think it is, it's a shame that the second half of the film just isn't as good, but yeah. if you want a film to watch with someone, to kind of make catty comments at yeah. and then really rip into in the second half. This is a great choice. Or just with like grandparents or something. I think it's or quite just to a good put on in the like background. Casual. You, and then occasionally you're like, oh, that looks good. Yeah. And then you get to the sex omelette. You should order curry though. Yeah. Then get to the sex omelette the and watch it intensely and tell us, please watch this scene and tell us that we're not going mad. No, everyone I watched it with, we were both, as in, I would watch it in silence or something and we both were like, are they? Is, 
Uh, is this uh, the next thing? Like, are they gonna get together? Yeah. And then another, nothing came no, of it. No. Well, yeah, oh well. <laughs> uh, yeah, listeners, please tweet at us if you if you've watched this film and this scene has confused you. I think it's confused me like this. I, just, I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. My sexuality, gay, straight, bi, the sex on the scene. scene from the hundred foot <laughs> journey. Right, okay. <laughs> move on, move on. Move on, move on. Right, your film. My film this week, um, I. Because you enjoyed Rome, I thought another period piece. Yeah. Let's go slightly mm -hmm. further forward in time, mm -hmm. and I think it's it's a good film and it's a story I didn't know mm. as well. And that is Belle. <laughs> Belle is from 2013. It's a period drama set in the Regency period. It's directed by Amara Santi, who also did A United Kingdom, mm -hmm. which I know a lot of people have seen. I haven't seen that yet. I um, it tells the story of Dido Elizabeth Bell, played by Gugu Mbata Raw, a mixed race woman in Regency England who was raised um, by nobility. And it's true. It's true, yeah. There's a very famous painting of her. Um, is it in the National Gallery? I can't remember. But it gets very much into abolition in Britain. And, but it's also a love story. Yeah. And specifically, uh, with the abolition side, it's the trial involving the Zong massacre. Yes. So, I want to know what you thought of this. Uh, I enjoyed it. I actually, weirdly, am not a very big period piece yeah. fan. I don't really like historical films. No. Actually. Um, I like, like, I love Jane Austen and stuff, but actually, I love the costumes of the, a period piece. The costumes piece, in this are so good, though. They're gorgeous. I really want to wear them. Like, just look at, look at like, the poster and yeah. look at that pink dress. Yeah. No, We're like, looking at it now. They, yeah. They, so I mean, everyone looks beautiful in this. Equally... Sorry, it's just a disclaimer. I don't really like historical yeah, films. And yeah. I find something about my brain doesn't allow me to sympathise with them. So I read historical novels instead because yeah. I find them more easy. No, that's fine. Um, that being said, I really enjoyed it. Mm. It was quite, I felt like it was quite, weirdly quite a light watch, even though it deals with very serious mm. yeah. issues. Um, it presents yeah. them in a very kind of objective way, in a yeah. sense. I feel like it's, it's, not, it's not kind of complicated. No, they don't Filmmaking, it's very things. simple. It's like, we know whose side we're on, mm -hmm. we're all not racist, yay. Yeah. And then at the end, everything turns out, I think we can say, like, pretty well. Yeah. Because it has to turn out well because this is supposed to be, like, a nice film that people watch. Mm. I feel like it's basically, like, um, dealing with a serious issue but making it palatable for, yes. like, essentially, like, my mum and her friends. Mm. But, um, I, but I enjoyed it. I think, I think this film is built upon one central performance yeah. and the good thing is is that that central performance by Gugu Mbatero is fantastic yeah she's amazing she is like I remember when this film came out and there was a lot of fuss kicked up that, that Amara Santi didn't really get any plaudits for this as director which oh, I was a bit more mixed really? on but the fact that nothing came Gugu Mbatero's way yeah. for this performance because she carries the But I think that's because film. it's like a Sunday afternoon film. Mm. But it's, it's a Sunday afternoon film done so well. Yeah, done really well, but as in, mm. I, I, did, I didn't, that's like classic awards bait, is it? Well, I think, I, know, I think it is quite an awards bait one because it's a mm. period piece, it's a character study, it's based on a real person. That's quite awards baity. Yeah, if, if, if you think about, for example, this year's Oscars, yeah, Olivia Colman, like, Rami yeah, Malek, yeah, yeah, Mahershala <laughs> Ali. No, no, but the favourite is um, This Gone Wild. That's yes. why it was nominated for stuff. Green Book is because I think people like to talk about American racism more mm. because it's more exciting, because yeah. it's like ruder. 
mm. in a way. And people don't like to confront like British racism as much. No. And um, what's the other one? Rami Malek. Yeah. Like Bohemian Rhapsody is like it's different because people remember like people love Murphy, the music. Yeah. The music makes it different. But this is like it does as in. I really enjoyed the film, and I think her performance is amazing. It doesn't necessarily do much with the genre. Like, it doesn't no. push anything forward. That's why it's not, like, awards based. But I don't think Green Book does either. I, th- I, I haven't I think, seen I Green Book, to be fair. I just think I think Green like, Book is... The, the criticism really surrounding Green Book, I think, is really it. quite accurate. It's, yeah. Yeah, and as, as much as... It I, didn't look very good. No. Think, yeah. um, but I think, I think what's, what is interesting is this, is that initially the whole... The, the Zong trial case mm. isn't the forefront of the film. Essentially, it's... It's the, it's the story of, for the first, I'd say third of the film, of a mixed-race woman, a, a, like a solo mixed-race woman in a white world. Yeah. And it... I would say almost most of this, actually. Mm-hmm. I think there's very little of it. As in, the Zong Massacre is the yeah. background to it. And, but like, Ad Inzi, like I said, it is a love story. Exactly, it's about yeah. a woman deciding whether to get married mm-hmm. at all, knowing that she has to get married. Yeah. All of that kind of stuff. So it's very Jacobstein in that kind of way, like, oh, you have two thousand a year, do you? Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's it is it is kind of um, I like while I enjoy Jane Austen, it's not my favorite thing. I do sometimes see a lot of Jane Austen as Regency Kardashians. Yeah, yeah. Which I love that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't like the Kardashians. No. Uh, But I think that what this film sort of also says in the background is that it's directed by a woman, a woman of color. It's stars a woman of colour but also then for me as a musician we talked about last week the music by Rachel Portman uh-huh. yes Rachel Portman is a very established film composer uh-huh. but I think the score to this is gorgeous yes yeah, the music the music's really beautiful and I think the whole thing is just the sort of when you get shots like just in the house with her just bathed in light mm. it's really interesting and I think when I, I watched this before I saw Moonlight yeah and it's it's a very it's a very different film to moonlight but it's just in terms of that kind of that shooting of how you generally would see in a role a white actor shot it's an actor of color being shot yeah and i think it's that thing that they were talking about how like people like white people don't know how to light black skin yeah because we're not used to it and like mm-hmm. we understand how their light works off it as well and yeah that's, that's yeah definitely mm-hmm. and i i i do think i think i i completely get what you're saying about it yeah, it's not your thing. You're not a big historical drama person. Yeah. I think I very much am. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. I just didn't. I think because I love fantasy so much, like like kind of high fantasy, fantasy, I kind of see it as an offshoot of that. Right. But then again, I also really oh, love Oh, I love that um, Tom Fletcher from McFly is in this randomly. It's not Tom Fletcher from McFly. Is it not? It's Tom Felton. It's Draco it's Malfoy. Tom Felton, it's Draco Malfoy. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm such an idiot. No, Draco Malfoy. Is... I knew that I recognised him and I was like, I just looked at the name and was like, Tom F. Because yeah. I follow Carrie Hope Fletcher on Instagram and have become weirdly obsessed with her recently. Great. Yeah. Tom, Tom Felton basically plays dickhead. <laughs> yeah, he was very funny. It was also just weird though, seeing, as in, he has such a specific voice. Mm. It, it doesn't sound like it should be in a period drama, to no. be honest. I found that really off-putting. Mm. And I, I thought his acting was very good, but I just thought he shouldn't have been cast. I know it's really mean. But, but I, I think I think he still does a very good performance. Though. Oh yeah, no, he does it really well. Mm. It was just like yeah. his voice specifically doesn't sound period no. to me. But James Norton is also excellent. Yeah, as is Tom Wilkinson, I think. Yeah, James Norton is the one that she's going to marry. Yeah, Tom Wilkinson is um, um, her kind of adopted father, mm. her uncle, I think. Actually. Oh, Matthew Good was in it. Mm. He's beautiful. Yeah, also um, Miranda Richardson, who always hilarious. Yeah, if you, I mean, I recently rewatched Made in Dagenham. 
and she's Oh yeah, I forgot she was in that. But I always think of her as the queen in um, Blackadder. Yeah, true that as well. Iconic. But uh, or Rita Skeeter. Yeah. But, but I. But always Blackadder. But always Blackadder. But I just, I just, it, it made me happen. I always forget because obviously Sally Hawkins made Dagman. Mm. Amazing. But then you watch it and you're like, oh, Miranda Richardson is fabulous in this film. Great. But I'm, um, I'm also sorry. One last shout out. Yeah. Emily Watson is such an underrated and such an amazing yes. actress. Yes. She's so good yes. in this as like someone who is conflicted, but also at the like crucial point in the mm. film makes a very interesting point. Like, I, it's just full of very good performances. Mm, very it, it's very drama. it's a very actory piece if you get what I mean. Yeah. I it's your classic British period drama. Yeah. If, if, if you like those sorts of things, you'll really like Belle because yeah. I think Belle is is, a, is one done very well. Yeah. Okay, I think it's time to hear our scores. Okay, so are we ready? I'm ready. Okay. Um, so we start with you. Mm. I gave this a seven because even though I admit all of its flaws, I watched the whole thing and I had so many great yeah. conversations with people about it. I think with the flaws, for me it's a three. But with the fact that it's so badly made, it's a 1.5. Hey, what, what do you mean the flaws are badly made? This is the same thing. No, no, no. I mean like the kind of the glorification that we talked about. The issues that I had with that. Uh, that would be that. a three. Flaws count all of life. Uh, no, I think, I think the kind of the framing flaws give it, for me, would give it a three if it was better made. But because it's so terribly made, I'm giving it a one and a half. You're so mean. It's bad. And then Head, I think I'm, this is... I admit that it's not great, but I've given it a six. I mean, that's ridiculous, but I've given it, I've given it a four. I think that's mm. quite generous as well. Because I looked at like, I think the scores like, I... I've given for other stuff, and I was like, I didn't like this as much well, as I mean, I, other stuff that's I what, That's what I did, and I think like, I have different reactions to different things, and I think like, for example, I gave American Central Model a six, and I would agree that I enjoyed Crazy Head by the end as much as I enjoyed that first episode of American Sex. See, that's what I compared it to as well. I gave that a six and I thought I was yeah. nowhere near it. So, um, Yeah, I, I think I, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, okay, and then The 100 Foot Journey, I gave a 6.5 because I did really, like, I, I quite enjoyed so watching so high. It. So high. Yeah, but I enjoyed it. Like, and Helen Mirren's great and there are, like, the sex omelette bit alone deserves Yeah, the sex omelette bit gives it at least two points. Yeah. And up until then, I would say it, that gives it another two and a half points. But then the <sighs> second half of this film is just rubbish. I probably have been so a little bit hard. I just enjoyed it so much. I've given it four and a half. I think I didn't mind up until the sex omelette, I was on board. After the sex on the, it goes downhill. Yeah, down no, and then Belle, I really loved this film. I gave it nine. That's hideously high. No, I don't think so at all. I think it's it's really beautiful and poignant, and the, mm. I think the strength of the, just on the performances alone. I just find it too predictable. Yeah, but I think you and can so say that about get... a, lot of, a lot of period pieces. Yeah, but hence why I don't really find yeah. it that exciting. Uh, I gave it. I gave. I'm gonna give it a seven. Okay. Um, I was going to give it a 7.5, it's taken 0.5 off for unknown reasons to me, I just felt like that. Mm. Um, because, yeah, I enjoyed it, I just probably won't watch it again. No, that's fair. It's not my thing. But no. it was very well made. Yeah. So as we head to the leaderboard, yeah, leaderboard. Nothing has changed. No, I think things will have changed. Really? So with TV, it's still West Wing at number one, Line of Duty at number two, and Rome at number three. Okay. Then for film. Rome that high up. Yeah. 
I mean, you gave it eight and I gave it nine, so... Yeah, but I think League of Gentlemen should be above that, but fair enough. I think, I think because I was a bit initially put off by some of the sketches in League of Gentlemen, so that, for me, pulled the score slightly down. That's shocking. It's only behind by 0.5, so yeah. it's okay. Um, and then for film, Lady Bird is still our number Yay. one film, followed by Let the Right One In. And then I still love that Priscilla, Queen of the Desert is our number three film. That's ridiculous. I, I, well. I, I think there are better films coming up, okay. but... I, I just, I really like Priscilla. I think we've seen a lot of the films that we both really like, as in, we've both already seen them, so it's quite hard yeah, to exactly. get new ones. Um, so, still our bottom of the barrel film is The Ten Year Plan, followed by Chuck and Dale vs. Evil, and then 27 Dresses. I mean, no, I, I will never not be annoyed about but that. But, we have a new lowest TV show. That's and it's you. as well. No, I, I think if it was better made, I would have given it a higher score, but because it's so badly made, that just drags it down. And then it's The Last Kingdom and Gilmore Girls above it. Okay, I think we've got to, we've got to move on to next week. So TV, I think seeing as Line of Duty is coming to an end, at least this series, um, I wanted you to watch another British police drama. Because yes. you like them so much. I love them. And this is one that I was actually really surprised you hadn't seen. I want you to watch Happy Valley. Yay, good, I want to watch it anyway. Yeah. Um, my TV is going to be something that come out, came out on Netflix recently. recently, and I should say that originally I thought this was going to be a bit shit, but quite enjoyable, mm. and everyone I've spoken to has really loved it, and it's like campy fun, I would say, yeah, and it's fun. called Sex Education, Ooh. and it stars Gillian Anderson, so how can you not like it? We do love Gillian Anderson. Um, for my film, I'm going, I'm going back to sci-fi. Kind of ish, okay. but this film it's really interesting. It's got a lot of early career performances from people who've kind of come up since. It's got a re an early career performance from John Boyega, who mm -hmm. was in the new Star Wars trilogy, and Jodie Whittaker, who's now obviously the Doctor and was in Broadchurch. Mm -hmm. And I would like to watch Attack the Block. Attack the Block, cool. Okay, yeah. um, I'm going to give you something a bit different from me, which is like a comedy but really dark western. From the Coen Brothers, yeah, um, and it started on Netflix and it's called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. And I really wanted like to watch this much more high class than potentially you think my normal things are, yeah. Um, so yeah, you're gonna be watching that. Exciting, yeah. no. So, thank you for listening to this week's episode. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram at Please Don't Make Me Watch, you can find us on Twitter at don't make me watch. And subscribe on iTunes, on Podbean, on where all good podcasts are found. Yeah. And we, if you want to contact us, you can email us at please don't make me watch at gmail.com. You can just find us anytime. Anytime, anywhere. anywhere. Also, please tell us if you watch the sex on it scene. We love it. It's so, it's mystifying me to this day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave you with that thought. Yeah, Goodbye. see you next week. Bye.